This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. That's an old school introduction there. Uh, I'm Jack Pelzer, and I'm joined by Dan Hodgman and John Doherty again to continue our talk about technical analysis. It was abbreviated the uh, last week because we had to talk about Robin Hood, and uh, that bubble has popped, it would appear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up. I just got off the phone with someone that was telling me that their son took everything he had, got into GameStop at 40, and now is determined to stick it to the man and refuses to get out of it. Uh, I mean, to his credit, it's at, you know, 47 or 48 right now, which, you know, my person of fidelity would tell me isn't a bad return for uh, <laughs> right? four months. I, you know, I think that's defensible. You know, we don't give advice here. I'm not your fiduciary, but... I could see if you think that they probably raised some capital off of this. They probably don't have the same cash crunk. People are going to be a cash crunch, not cash crunk. That's like little John. Uh, people are probably going to be scared in the future. If it get the, it's down lower, like how long would you short GameStop? Are you going to pile back in when it's at 10 bucks because you think it's worth two? Probably not. No, I don't think you're risking it anymore. I think, uh, I think lessons have been learned. Goes, uh, Technical analysis said uh, it wanted to go up. Yeah, speaking of lessons to be learned, uh, today we brought JD back because we're going to talk about how we use technical analysis in our day-to-day -day trading and uh, also sort of the routines that lead up to that. So uh, before a little housekeeping in case anything weird happens during this podcast, I'm on the road right now and one thing that happens when uh, you do a weekly podcast is... You got to record it every week. And sometimes you end up in these situations where uh, scheduling is not easy to do with everyone. So there's a chance, depending on how long this conversation goes, that I might have to drop out at some point because I have a very important, immovable <laughs> thing I got. I got I, you got a business meeting got a, out on the green? <laughs> I got a business meeting with my dad on the golf course. But I thought it was funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. My dad's 73 years old, and you get to that age, and... You don't care what anyone else has. I'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to you know, be working this morning to have a podcast. He's like, well, we have a 12.45 tea time. Make it. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, I got a phone call from my dad this morning. He's down by you, Jack. Calls me. I text him back. I'm in a meeting. He's like, well, leave the meeting. I need to talk to you. <laughs> so I think, I'm thinking, oh, man, something's happening. And I called him back. And he goes, hey, can you make sure you check my mailbox today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, li li I'm like dad, sure. Li listeners out here, if if you're in a situation where you are, you know, working out of your uh, parents' house for any length of time, and want to give me some tips on how to deal with that uh, for the next four days until I head back to Chicago, um, yeah, just send me an email at jack at topstep dot com. And without further ado, a uh, lot of news going on this week. The impeachment trials starting in uh, 15 minutes. The uh, markets just keep on grinding higher. Now's a good time to take a look. We talked bubbles last week. And unless you're uh, involved in, say, Dogecoin right now, I think that's how you pronounce it. 
I don't even know how to pronounce it. I, I can't figure it out. I think we've reached the point where it's not even a rational exuberance. It's, I thought it was doggy coin. Is it? It could be. That makes more sense. I, it's there's certain trades where I, I, I honestly think that it, it's an act of defiance to light money on fire. Uh, there was a band that did that from England back in the day. Listeners out there, if you're listening to this, please, um, please don't just incinerate a bunch of money just to, uh, just for the lols. That's, you'll regret that someday. Or you'll go full Buddhist. I don't know. But anyway, we're talking uh, what we do to try and make money and not light it on fire. So I thought how we'd start sort of a technical analysis day to day thing is talk a little bit about how um, we approach each trading day, what sort of habits we have. And I thought since you're probably the most active trader of us at the moment, Dan, you can tell us a little bit about how you start your day. Yeah, absolutely. First off, um, Speaking of routine, I just had a really great conversation with one of our funded traders, Tanya. She's down in New Mexico, and uh, we had a fun conversation. It's up on our YouTube page. Go check it out because she really talked actually about her routine um, and how how strict she has gotten with it to help her get to where she's at today. She's making some great money in the funded account. Love to see that stuff. Um, I think routine is the most important thing. Without a doubt, no questions asked. You've probably seen us talk about it a billion times across a million different platforms over the years. Um, my routine's very simple every single morning. It's adjusted since uh, COVID started, um, I think, for the better. I get up in the morning, I lay in bed for about 10 minutes, and I scroll through the news, um, make sure nothing wild and crazy happened overnight. I go brush my teeth. I shower. Um, now, th- those are the things that don't really matter. Um, but I get up, I take the dog out. Um, I grab my paper. I come inside. I get the coffee going. And I go downstairs and I do a anywhere from a half hour to a 45 minute workout, kind of get that sweat, wake me up a little bit, come upstairs, drink uh, probably a quarter gallon of water, and then dive into my coffee. I read my paper while watching something stupid on television. I don't have the news on unless again, something crazy happened. And I really just try and mellow myself out, get really relaxed, get woken up, um, you know, if I'm rushing in the morning, I still do the same thing because I have to slow myself down. Even if I'm not trading too, I think it's just something great just for mental health. Um, slow down in the morning. You don't want to be rushing. So if you're normally a 6 a.m. riser and you overslept and it's 7 a.m., don't feel like you have to rush to the screen. So take your time. Don't adjust from that routine. Um, so I read my paper, I drink a cup of coffee, and uh, and then about... 6.45 or so, I am at my computer, and uh, then I just start going through the markets that I'm trading. Those are the first things I'm looking at, you know, which markets I intend to trade. Usually, it's uh, I'm looking at bonds, I'm looking at the equity markets, and uh, dabbling a little bit maybe in gold or crude oil. Crude oil has been kind of a fun trade for me lately. Um, I've been pretty active in crude oil. Um, you know, the grind higher over there is a pretty subtle, simple market to be trading, I feel like, uh, for the last couple of weeks. Um, but I start defining levels. Um, I go through charts from a weekly down to a 30 minute. Um, I define areas that I'm looking at based off of the time frame of chart that I'm looking at. And, um, and then I wait for that market to open. I'm pretty relaxed and, uh, just having that second cup of coffee, no more than two cups of coffee in the morning for me. Um, I have two, my two cups of coffee, 
and I'm done for the day with the coffee because I don't want to get the jitters. I don't want to get too woke up, too shaky. And, uh, and then it really just comes down to if the market approaches one of the levels I'm interested in. Yeah. You don't want to become one of those people that gets the, uh, you know, addiction headaches from caffeine withdrawal because A, I hear it's a pain in the ass. And also it's just, you know, no one's going to make a biopic about your struggles with coffee, to be honest. You know, nope. there's not, there's not really a redemption arc of how you uh, overcame your demons with that one. So, uh, <laughs> JD, what about you? Yeah, I'm not too far off from Dan either. I got my start. I've probably said this a hundred times. I got my start in the bonds at the Chicago border trade. Opening bell was at 7.20 in the morning. Uh, so I'm an early riser. I have been for years. It just became a habit. I'm up at 4.30 every day. First thing I do is take the dog for a walk. Uh, I spend about 45 minutes on the exercise bike, 10, 15 minute stretch. Then I take my shower, have a bite to eat, get that cup of coffee and uh, start on my trading checklist. You know, By the time I sit down at my workstation, I know that I've done my best to be mentally prepared. I'm well rested. I got my heart rate up a little riding the bike, uh, so the blood's pumping. I'm relaxed. My mind is clear and sharp, or as, as sharp at least as I can get it these days. Uh, <laughs> another thing I think is important is uh, it's okay to take a day off. Here and there, if your head's not in the game, there's nothing wrong with sitting back and just being an active observer. Uh, yesterday, for example, day after the Super Bowl, I'm a big Super Bowl guy. Uh, I knew a month ago that I wasn't going to trade yesterday. Uh, yeah, it's kind of my day to overindulge. I ate big. Uh, I had a couple pops, maybe more than a couple pops. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, probably a couple more than a couple. Yeah. Just had a good time, you know, and I knew I'd be slow Monday morning. So there was never a question about taking the day off. You need to decompress too. JD, I think you bring up a really good point, recognizing if you're not there, you know, if you have, you're out having those pops or, you know, a couple of drinks the night before. And if, if you wake up the next morning and you're not a hundred percent there, um, it's a good reason to take that day off, um, I try not to have any sort of pops during during the week for that exact reason. Um, you got to recognize that sometimes the biggest opportunity is to stay out of the market. Yeah. Well, you can be scientific with that stuff too. I mean, the same reason athletes wouldn't is that what you eat, what you drink, and how you exercise, it messes or puts in alignment your hormones and everything else. It affects the way you think. I uh, I think the important takeaway before we get into the actual what's on our chart is that pretty much every successful trader that I have known has been very uh, disciplined with their routines every day and is aware if they feel differently. I'm not calling myself a you know, great all-time trader, but I've ate the same thing for uh, breakfast every day for years just because I know once I do that, I'll feel the same. And then if I was working and I would go to uh, Billy Goats and get an omelet, it would, I would feel different because I'd feel like a lead balloon. And, you know, you got to be thinking about the trade and not about breakfast. And one other Third thing. Third floor cafeteria, three yeah. eggs, two sausages. <laughs> hasn't changed since. Yeah, Bobby Brown, baby. That was a, that was a uh, meal you could get down at the Port of Trade or a fish sandwich the size of uh, a soccer enough ball. To feed a, enough to feed a family of eight. Yeah. So, um, and, and one last thing I want to touch on is, Dan, I thought you had a good point about not watching the news. I've, that's sort of my New Year's resolution is uh, the 24-hour the news cycle, especially if you have the TV stuff, is such a time sink. They, uh, 
you know, I would kind of razz my wife about how much Bravo she would watch. You know, uh, Below Deck. <laughs> the, the, hey, Below Deck's a good one. I've fallen into that trap a few times. Vanderpump <laughs> Rules. But, but, but my point to her was this is sort of – these shows is the same thing over and over again. It's not really an effective use of time. And then she's like, well, you watch the news all day. And I thought about that. And I was like, you're right. I will never get that time back. And I will never – uh, regret my deathbed having not watched more CNBC. <laughs> it, well, the one thing, reason being for me of not wanting to watch too much news through, especially like when I'm paying attention in the morning, during work, it's nice to have the news on. I've always got it on in the corner, you know, because they're hitting me with a quick headline. I'm reading the headline. If I'm paying close attention to the news, um, you can draw biases based off of what they're saying and you can create an opinion and you're going to start to think, uh-oh, this is fundamentally what's going to happen to the market when that's not going to always be the case. They may be focusing on a topic um, and they're and I'm not trying to create an opinion on any sort of news channel, but they can create a bias or they can kind of guide it in a direction that works for them and it may not work for you in your trading because maybe you get upset. Or you get anxious or you get frustrated hearing what they're saying and it creates – triggers an emotional reaction. Dan, I, I don't think it's controversial to say – and I'll throw it all around right here – that if you – the subconscious things seep in your head. If you watch CNBC all day, you are going to be exposed to the opinion that we are in a never-ending bull market all the time and have been <laughs> since the station was started. If you watch Fox News or MSNBC, you are going to have certain views – just because they're not trying to inform you on any of these, they're trying to have you watch so they can sell ads. So just keep that in mind. It's still good to yes, watch the news. Yes, though. they're making revenue based off of their ads, uh, not you, the consumer. Oh, hell no. They just need you to watch and they got to trigger you in one way, shape, or form to stay tuned into that channel. Right. So you sit down, you follow your routine until then. What's sort of the, let, let's talk about what charts we each look at during the day. And I was thinking maybe you could talk about, I'm thinking timeframes and then what are a few indicators that you usually have up versus in the yeah. bullpen. Dan, yeah, I run three charts. I run three charts. I run a daily four hour, 30 minute chart for any market I'm trading. Most of my indication, indicators I use aren't very intense. I don't use a ton of it. Um, I use moving averages. Lately, I've been really focused on 20 and a 50 period and slash day moving average. Um, obviously, if we're making a huge move, I'm opening up that 100 or 200 day moving average. But in a given day, especially when it comes to day trading, to see us move to a 100 day moving average or a 200 day moving average in the equity markets, well, we got some big reversal happening and uh, I'm probably paying attention to other news and, you know, kind of paying close attention. So I run that. I run a I use VWAP, VWAP with a deviation to the high and low side. I like the deviation in the VWAP. I'm not executing really off of it. Um, it's a guide frame for me. I use it as helping a way to define a channel. I like to use channels when I look at markets. Where are my highs and lows? Whatever direction I'm moving, up, down, or sideways. Um, VWAP with the deviation allows for some opportunity with that. I use a four-hour chart for my... Um, acceptance when I'm looking at levels. Most of my levels are defined within a daily or a four-hour chart, not so much on the 30-minute. And then I use that 30-minute is really where I'm paying attention to this VWAP, kind of defining that channel, getting that range of what I'm looking at. And that's where my execution comes from. And a, a quick aside for the listeners, VWAP, 
is a volume weighted average price. And what that means is just if you took every, uh, I'll just use a, a share of a stock, for example, every price that a share of stock transacted at, and then you uh, average them all out. So it's, it, it's, it's how much volume weights what a price is important. And one of the reasons that that's something a lot of people look at uh, it may be a little bit legacy. I don't know if this is the way they measure anymore, but for institutional traders, an easy way to gauge performance would be if you were getting better average prices than VWAP, because it would mean that you, if, if you were selling things higher than that, it would mean over the course of a day, you kind of beat where the average for the market was. So the idea is that that's kind of a sticky channel where if it's too far above, it wants to come back to that because people might be selling. So Right, right. And I, what I like about it is for me, when I look at VWAP, it's not executing when the market's at VWAP. So when I say I use it as a guide frame is essentially of, okay, the market's moving. I'm looking for opportunity. Wait a second. I'm sitting right at VWAP. I don't want to be in right now. I need to wait for this thing to move away. Um, higher or lower, I could care less which way it goes. I need to see it get away from that, um, get closer to the extreme, kind of get closer to a level I'm looking for a chance at before I'm willing to execute. So I really use it as a risk management tool for myself. Um, you know, that accountability partner that's saying, no, 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 you don't trade when the market's tra- is right at VWAP. Nice. Uh, JD, what about you? And also, uh, t- an additional question for you, JD, is what products do you always have up versus what are kind of around for you to poke at? Like you might have them in your, they might not be the chart up there the whole time, but it's a finger click away to go up there. Yeah, sure. I look at a bunch of stuff. Um, first, my charts are pretty much blank when I open them in the morning. The only real static indicators that I keep on them are a few moving averages, uh, a slow stochastic oscillator and some volume bars and the VWAP also. I track closing prices of a bunch of markets from the previous day, uh, the dollar, NASDAQ Dow, metals, crude oil, bonds and notes, all kinds of stuff. My primary market, though, is the ES, the mini S&P 500. But yeah, I'm just a click away from looking at the bonds, uh, looking at crude oil, looking at gold. When I go through my ES checklist, I'm looking at the three-day high and low, overnight high and low, yesterday's high and low. Where was yesterday's close in relation to the high and low? Was it the upper third, middle, or lower third? Was it a trend day? Was it choppy? I'm jotting all this stuff down. I'm putting it on my list, and I'm just compiling data. I'm looking at the economic calendar, what's expected out today, what time is it coming out, and uh, what's the consensus for everything that's coming out. Uh, and then just jot down the results as things come out. As far as time frames, uh I'm not too far off from what Dan does. I do throw a weekly up just so I know it's there, so I could reference it if I need to. But yeah, uh, I look at a daily, a 30-minute, and a 15-minute. Uh, longer time frames for analysis, shorter time frames for execution. The moving averages that I have up, uh, I love the short term. I like the 5, 10, and 20-day, but I also keep a 50 and 100-day up just in case something extreme happens. And the VWAP, like you guys were just talking about, on days like today in particular, I mean, just looking at the S&P, it's Tuesday, February 9th, and the S&P has been grinding higher. 
six days in a row with uh, sort of contracting ranges and uh, volume has been slipping. So I think on a day like today, those short-term moving averages are a lot more significant than the, uh, as far as a day trader would be concerned. And I'm not looking at them in terms of support and resistance either. Get that out of your head. They're just targets. They're value areas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Get it out of your head. Right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, they're targets. Uh, you're going to look for consolidation at those areas, but never support or resistance. Uh, right. You, 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 don't, you don't need to... I think what I hear from both of you, too, is you don't need to clutter up your charts with all sorts of stuff. I, we've talked about this before. And I always have the click away. So I, I like looking at the daily charts. You know, something like the 200-day moving average, unless there's huge, huge swings in prices, it doesn't move that. I'm kind of aware of where it is. And then I'll check it every once in a while, but I don't need it up there the whole time, to, unless it's very near it, because there'll be some action there. Yeah. And I'm still a fan of technical patterns, too. I look at triangles. Uh, I'll look for short-term head and shoulders and stuff like that. So I am drawing lines throughout the day. But at the end of the day, I erase it all and I just keep up just those few moving averages and some volume, but those, those few things that I mentioned, uh, every day is like a, it's a fresh canvas. I think there's a lot of intraday crap that gets thrown on just cause you're looking for things. Okay. I want to, I don't want to forget this. So I'll, you know, throw a little box there or I'll throw this line here, this trend there. Um, I did want to touch on one thing though. You guys talking about this 200 day moving average, like I was saying, you know, that's something that you got to keep an eye on when the market's moving towards it. If the market gets near it, I'm looking at that. If we're at a in an equity market, we're near 200-day moving average. I'm saying to myself, ah, okay, here's some long-term opportunity. I'm not thinking, okay, this is where my day trading's taking place. I'm thinking, if I get down to a 200-day moving average, I'm thinking, all right, where else can I put some money? Can I transition some stuff to work on that? actual retirement account, that wealth that I can create, because that's where I think you're going to start to find those longer opportunities. It's not often we come running down to a 200-day moving average. It's just not a thing. Um, when you see the market get to it, we tend to follow up with big long-term opportunity. Absolutely. Speaking of myself, is that I used to, when I was young, I uh, had this you know, one quick anecdote about it is, uh, for instance, cluttering up your charts. When I started working at the shop, I didn't do a lot of trading on my own before that. So it was the first time being in a situation where you'd have eight screens and all this stuff. And traders, or at least at the firm I was at, it's always, it was sort of like, uh, like, uh, frogs inflating their, uh, <laughs> their, uh, sack in their neck to like Gotta scare puff their people. chest a little bit. Yeah, peacock. Puff, peacock and buy. It's like, oh, you have eight screens? Uh, I have 16 screens. And that would mean you're a better <laughs> trader. I mean, it's 100% true. No, uh, but I would see what was on the screen and I'd, I'd, I'd throw Bollinger Bands on everything because they looked freaking cool. <laughs> like like if, if somebody wasn't familiar with trading, they would see like the price action. You, you have to sometimes complicate what you're doing to seem important because trading's not that hard at the end of the day. But, you know, if you have some Bollinger bands in there, it looks like you're uh like like a cyberpunk or something like that. But uh later I realized too that at least for me with like Bollinger bands, they, they kind of just do things that you could just see from looking at the chart, you know. <laughs> If, it, if, it's, right. if there's a lot of volatility, they widen out. I get it. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I try and avoid stuff like that and stick to a few things. And I do mostly longer term trades now anyway. So I'm usually looking at like what Dan said with the 200 day, the products that I have up that are kind of always, uh, I'm keeping an eye on is some of them are just for shits and giggles. And some of them are for like real looking. I keep up the, uh, the ES NASDAQ, the Russell. I really don't look at it because I'm looking for rotation there for longer term trades. Uh, the things I can't live without are having the VIX up and the dollar because I'm often interested, especially with the dollar these days of, you know, if the stocks are up, is it just because the dollar's down or is there something further going on here? So that's some stuff. I also keep up some meme stocks. I've added GameStop <laughs> because, you know, come on, it's fascinating. Uh, Tesla, Bitcoin. Doggy coin now. You got to be watching dog, doggy coin or dodge, whatever the hell. I hope it is. that I get vindicated in this because I could, I could swear it's like part of the meme that it's Dogecoin or, you know, or I'm an idiot and I will figure it out. But well, you know, this is, this is where I, this, uh, this thing is when I realized I'm no longer part of the younger generation. I'm not calling myself the older generation, but I'm not part of the younger generation because I didn't know this was a thing. Until someone commented on our YouTube, or I heard about it, and then someone commented on YouTube that we needed to watch it. I thought it was a just a hoax, a total fib, fake thing that wasn't real. Yeah. But apparently not. Hey, I got some breaking news for you. I just uh, Googled this. It says, first things to know, how do you pronounce Dogecoin, as I'll call it? According to the cryptocurrency's co-founder, Billy Marcus, the correct pronunciation is Dogecoin, D-O-H-J coin. Well, Jack is now part of the younger generation. <laughs> Although, some prefer to pronounce the first syllable like dog or doggy. So I guess you guys are some people, but let it be known, I am a 33-year-old Zoomer at heart. So, take that. So, uh, we've talked about kind of what's on there. Is there anything, when you're specifically entering trades, that is just kind of a constant what's your kind of strongest indicator that you want to get into a trade or some example you have recently? Well, that's a great question. Um, and it's hard because everything's context-based, right? I mean, if there was one rule that sort of always worked, people would just do it and then it wouldn't work. Right. So here I will, I'm going to pull up a chart really quick. All right, prime example was last week in the equity markets, in the S&P 500. We had a hell of a time getting above what I was saying was about uh, 38.40. It was kind of this area I was watching. The market had tested it for two two and a half days, really never got above it. Um, and so for me, typically when a, mar when a level is holding that well, you want to trade to the probability. Probability says, okay, it's tested this level four different times and each time it's broken back down towards a settlement price for the prior day. So looking at it right now, we got one, let's see, we ran it down once. We had 20 points in that. Twice, we had another 20 points. The next time we had 18 points, we had a 10-point move. So you've got you know, let's just call it 75 points you could have made on one lot shorting that 40 level or 35 to be more realistic. You could have shorted 35s, run it down to settlement price and walked away from that trade. You had a lot of chances to do that. You can make up 75 points in your risk 
to make those 75 points is maybe 15. So last week, we finally kind of showed a little bit of acceptance. Um, I'm not saying a lot, but a little bit um, up above 40. And the market held above 40, rolled into another 30-minute bar above 40. And that, to me, was a sign of, all right, here's opportunity to run this thing to the upside. So you could have hopped in, let's just say 40, and you could have sat in that trade until the very end of the day and walked away with approximately 30 points in profit on that trade. And again, that's the type of trade that your risk is really minimal. When a market approaches these levels that have proved opportunistic for you, you can choose to get in in that market and say, my risk is X amount of points. If you can minimize that risk as much as possible and say, especially on a breakout, it was a breakout trade. I'm not usually one to just jump in on a breakout, but it was a breakout trade. Um, and you, I could have gotten into a trade like that, risking about four and a half, five points. And I'm looking, if it's going to be breakout, I'm looking for that thing to accelerate in that direction. Um, so we had some acceleration and that was a very easy trade to say, I'm going to hop in it. I'll get out on the close and we'll call it a day. And that's kind of what we saw. And you know, you can walk away with a 30 point move, only risking five or six points. And those are the types of trades I'm looking for. I'm looking for where can I get in with as little risk as possible to maximize the profit. And um, so that was a great trade I was able to take advantage of. Um, so I'm looking at that and I'm also looking for directional move markets. So like I said earlier, crude oil is one I've been watching a lot lately. Crude oil has been directional to the high side since late October, pretty much. And um, we're looking for, you know, I'm watching for some sort of deviation when it comes to volume. If I'm seeing markets moving higher, volumes moving lower, I'm waiting for that market to break. Once I get that decent down day, then I'm going to start to look for those long opportunities. So really in a trending market, I'm looking for those weak points. Um, if we're moving higher, if we're moving lower, I'm just looking for strength where you start to see a lot of retail traders hop in and say, all right, here comes our reversal instead of looking for that reversal. Uh, uh-uh, That's a great sign to go, all right, here's a cheap trade. Let's take it. Yeah, absolutely. Being a contrarian, it's fun, but at the same time, by definition, you you can't be right most of the time, right? I mean, uh, trends are trends because the probability is they keep on going. You can't just hop in. Like, you could range trade or other things like that. Uh, how much? You're a big settles guy, Dan, too. How much weight do you guys put when you start in the morning on what the futures did the night before? Because obviously, there's kind of more. Uh, malarkey as president biden could say that goes on with overnight futures on lower volumes they're important levels overnight highs overnight lows any sort of swing in there pay attention to it you're going to get a chance i talk about it every day in the recap um i i have a hard time you know when people tell me that they don't look at overnight levels and overnight at price um i think well i think you're missing something because I get a lot of chance at those overnight highs and lows. Yeah, and if you guys are looking for a daily thing out there, guys and gals, uh, be sure if you don't, check out the YouTube where Dan and Hogue every morning, every afternoon at uh, 8 Central, right? or 8 and 3 p.m. 8 and 3 p.m. They'll break down the market action that day. Um, I'm giving that sort of thing because, guys, I think old Jackie P is going to have to leave here in a bit or two. He's got a big <laughs> meeting with the old man. He's got a big meeting. Well, there's some things you got to do, right? Um, so can I trust you two, uh, monsters of the trading game to, uh, close it out and mention any 
top set promotions going on before. Oh, I got this. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll I am. Hold it down. Thanks. Jay. Okay, cool. Well, I am. Uh, it's like giving the keys to the 16 year olds right here. So. I, I can just see your dad <laughs> sitting at the door frame of your room right now, looking at his, tapping his watch, like, I can, come on, tea time, I, 30 minutes. I, let's go. I can sense him out there. Like, you know, like a, like a <laughs> dolphin pacing. with echolocation. Like he's not doing it, but I can definitely, I can sense he's there. So I'll just pacing in the kitchen with the spikes on. Yeah. I'll catch you guys later. Uh, everyone out there. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. See you, Jack. See you, Jack. All right. Well, we just lost Jack. Now we can have the real fun. Um, anyhow, so JD, we just kind of went over some of the things that I'm looking for um, that really are just true execution points for me that I'm going to take. What are some of those ones that for you is just, I am going to take it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like trading counter to remove. If the trend's moving higher and we're playing a pullback, I'm not going to just keep buying new lows on that pullback. You know, I'm going to wait for some more confirmation that it turns around and continues the trend before I jump in. Uh, when I see price line up with a, a trend line and a 20 day moving average and maybe something else, another technical pattern. Yeah. It's on my radar and I'm going to be looking for somewhere to execute, but I want confirmation that it's turning around before I jump in. Uh, just from a risk perspective that I find that is, uh, the most rewarding way to trade. I'm not looking to, you know, catch falling knives or pick bottoms. Uh, if the market's moving higher, I want to be on the long side, but I want to do it with confidence and, not, you know, having to keep my risk so tight that, you know, it's basically, I know I'm going to get stopped out buying this new low. I know I'm going to get stopped out buying the next new low. I'm just going to hang on and wait for a, wait for confirmation that there's a move higher. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, you know, it's important just because we know these markets are moving in that direction, you know, take equities last 10 years. It's been for the most part, a bull market other than, you know, a couple, a uh, couple scares. And it's, such a common thing that I hear from a lot of traders is that they, uh, you know, well, I had the direction correct, but my entry was off. Um, while it's very easy, I think, to have that direction correct, these markets tell us kind of where it's going to go. Um, it's relatively reasonable to pick your direction. Getting in is the hardest thing, especially from day trading perspective, because we can get stopped out so easy and you've got to have that plan of how I'm going to enter. What am I going to look for? You know, it's confirmation. It's weak points that counter start to show that it's not going in that direction. Okay. That now is a chance I can get in cheaper. Um, it's fading that extremes, um, things like that. So very easy to get in and we could sit here and I can tell you right now, go buy, this is not what I'm telling you to do, but you can go buy just some outright equity futures and say, in 30 years, I'm going to be a billionaire on it. Well, probably, <laughs> but how much risk are you going to take to get there? So it's an easy thing to say, I know where it's going. How am I going to get in? And that's the tough part. Yeah, exactly. And as, as like, as you, like you said, as a day trader, you're better off just going with the flow and managing risk appropriately. Absolutely. That's it. Awesome. Well, We'll round it out here. Uh, JD, thanks for joining us once again. It's been fun having you on the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm, I've been digging this. It's, I want to do some more. They're always a lot of fun. Um, 
So I'm reading our, our outline here for today's, and uh, it says restate contact info. I'm not going to give Jack, so I'll give mine. I know it's been a question. We have had some feedback about people wanting to send in questions, and they're not sure how to get a hold of us. So you can email me, danny at topstep.com. Um, I'll do my best to respond if you, you send me an email. Um, other than that, I don't think we have uh, anything crazy going on. So make sure you guys check us out on our YouTube page. Every Tuesday, 11.30 a.m. Central Time, we've got Coach's Playbook. Every every Monday through Friday, we got the market forecast at 8 a.m. And then we do the recap at 3 p.m. Podcast comes out every Thursday. Blog is about five times a day, thanks to the Dancing Bear here. Uh, I think that's <laughs> everything we've got. I'll just jump in. We got a promotion running until February 16th. 20% off your next trading combine plus 20% off top step gear. That means your 50K combine drops from 165 a month to 132 a month. And that's uh, sweet swag. And that's sweet swag for sure. Go out and get a I sweatshirt and send me. us a picture. I wish you guys could see me right now because I am sporting all my sweet swag. Actually, catch the coach's playbook in a little while. You will see me in my sweet swag. Yeah, I'm, I'm rocking the old stuff right now. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is Limit Up presented by Top Step. Um, please rate, comment, subscribe. Let us know your thoughts. Um, I think uh, I think that'll do it for today. Excellent. Thanks again for having me, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Everybody out there, um, I'll take Jack's sign-off here. Namaste and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.